Well, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3 tonight is where we're going to spend most of our time. And we've been thinking together at Foundations this year about biblical priorities for young families, about the things that should uh, fill our time and our, our focus. We started with the overall direction of our life. Where is it that we are to be going? What is it that we are to be focused on? And, and we looked at what the Bible says about loving God and loving others, that if we are not centered on him and centered on serving others, it doesn't matter how efficient we are with our time, we are missing the mark of what he has called us to do. And, and then we looked at more of the details of our life, the need for priorities and, and how God has given us a limited pool of time to use and we want to make the most of that and how to do that, living out our, our priorities. And uh, tonight, I want us to kind of finish a segment on that, those foundational ideas. And the next time we will look, begin looking more specifically at some uh, specific priorities that God has given us. And tonight, I want us to think about kind of the perspective of our life, about striving for excellence while still trusting God. Because the Bible not only speaks to what we do, to the things that should fill our time, but it also speaks to how we should do those things. And that's what we want to think about tonight. You know, as we begin, I want you to think about the first job that you had. I was talking to the, to the Clarys over dinner. Their daughter just got her first job. I forget what store is she working at in the outlet mall? Okay, so if you go shopping at Papaya, you can look at for truth. Her first job. Uh, my, my first job, I think I was 15 and I got a job working for the school district that I attended as a part-time custodian in the summer. It was not really a, a typical youth job. My sister, ha- who was older than me, had worked for the school district painting for a couple of summers. And so basically I got a job because she worked hard as a painter. And so I got assigned to the junior high, which I had been at a couple of years before. And I was working with, I think, three other guys, at least that I can picture in my head right now, who were full-time custodial staff at the, uh, the junior high school. And our job for the summer essentially was to wax floors. So we would put this uh, chemical on the floor and scrape up the old wax and and, uh, I would have a a razor blade thing to scrape all the gum that people had put on the floor. And then they would come behind us and and they would wax those floors. And, you know, this was uh, working for me with not the godliest group of men. I I learned a lot that summer, not good things mostly, although a little bit about uh, doing that work. And uh, uh, the, the conversations left a lot to be desired. Their attitude toward the principal and the other authorities left a lot to be desired. Uh, their effort le- left a lot to be desired. Uh, it was a, a, a situation for me where they did enough to get by. Their idea was the less we do, the more job security we have to come back tomorrow and uh, keep working on this. And so I thought that was kind of unique until I got another job and realized that that was kind of the prevailing mindset of people in, uh, is that you know, there are, uh, there's a, a lack of zeal. And, and what I found was in myself and in others as I began to work, as I'm saw, sure that you guys saw as well, was that there are, are many different pitfalls that can come when it comes to making the most of our time. On, on one end of the spectrum is the laziness that can come with being selfish, 
You know, with, with being focused on us and not loving God or loving others and therefore not really doing our best, uh, that same selfishness can lead to a different issue on the opposite end of the spectrum. Not so much in those first early jobs that I had, but you can see a selfish approach that's really a perfectionism, a desire that says, I want to do this perfectly so that I get the praise and the reward. You know, that that same self-centeredness can show up in very different ways in how we go about the tasks that we have been given. And, And we really need to guard against both of these and maintain a biblical perspective that I would suggest is working hard or pursuing excellence while still trusting God. Because how we approach our tasks and priorities matters. We are to love God and love others, and that affects not only what we do, but how we do that. I want you to to look at Colossians chapter 3 as we begin tonight. It's written specifically in the context of slaves and masters, which is really probably the closest counterpart to employees and employers. Uh, Paul writes this to them. He says, slaves... In all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Now, Paul has, is not primarily here speaking to the institution of slavery. His, his approach was not so much to address that, rather to say, here's how we honor Christ in the midst of the social constructs of his day. He'd already said back in verse 11 of chapter 3 that slaves and masters were spiritually equal in the eyes of Christ, But he is taking the opportunity, rather, to say, in the role of serving, of coming under the authority of of someone else, here is what that ought to look like to strive for excellence in what we do. Now, again, this is most applicable to life at work. That's the, the most natural connection to this. But I don't think it's a stretch to say that the principles we see here really apply in every arena of life in which we are striving to do something, which is pretty much all of them. Whenever we have a task to accomplish, whenever we are doing something, we ought to be doing it in this manner. And I would summarize how Paul uh, describes this first as, as we're to be striving for excellence. We're to be striving for excellence. Now, what does it mean to pursue excellence? Because as we think of our priorities and we start to unpack all the things that we ought to be doing, if we have the wrong idea about excellence, it can lead to a lot of discouragement and to just being frustrated in how we seek to live. You know, I think we tend to think of excellence as related to the finished product. So if you think of doing something with excellence, you might think of it being the best possible paper or project that you had to do. Or you might think of it as the cleanest possible bedroom or the perfectly prepared meal that you have made. 
And while the finished product will certainly be affected by our striving for excellence, I don't think that's God's standard. And in fact, when we miss that, I think we can be particularly discouraged, especially for young families and especially even more so for young moms. You know, if you have a desire to have a clean house and a meal on the table when your husband walks in at the end of his workday and you're focused simply on the finished product of a clean house and a nice meal on the table and you think that's what God expects of me and then you say, "Um, but I have these three little people who are destroying everything that I am working for every minute of the day, at least that's how it feels. And so they are undermining all of my best efforts, and therefore my finished product may not look like I want it to, in part because it depends on more than just me and on the other priorities that I have. We can be very discouraged because we never get to the level of finished product that we strive for. Now, we can err on the other side and say, well, it doesn't really matter what it looks like or how we do on things, and that's not what Scripture calls us to. You see, excellence in our, our work ethic, our how we do the things that we do, has more to do with how we go about that task than simply the final product. And Paul gives us a number of principles here that should describe, or that describe for us how to go about that task. And the first thing that he says in verse 22 is that we will do our work, we will work sincerely. We will work sincerely. Notice verse 22, he says, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, so as to merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. See, the first thing that we are to be characterized by as we seek to accomplish tasks that God has given us is to do so with sincerity of heart. He contrasts that with doing it with external service, with eye service, as those who please men. You you see, we can be motivated simply by how other people view us Or we can be motivated genuinely from our heart. One of those has to do with pleasing people, eye service to please others, those who are seeing us. The other has to do with pleasing the Lord. Now, when we have tasks at home, that's a great opportunity to not be focused on what other people see or think because a bunch of times there's not anybody else watching. Or if they are, they're young and they don't really care how we do that. They're not there to reward us. And so when we go from, from being in a context of employment where there's immediate feedback to uh, tasks at home where there's not necessarily that feedback, it's a chance for us to refocus our hearts and say we are focused not on what other people say or how they commend us, but on the Lord. Our heart is to be motivated not by what people think of us, but what God says of us by the, the fear of the Lord, the respect that we have for him. And, and when we do that, it's going to affect, secondly, the fact that we will work heartily. He says in verse 23, whatever you do, doesn't matter how little, how inconsequential something seems, whatever you do, do your work heartily, or with literally from the soul, or we could translate it with all your heart, 
as for the Lord rather than for men. Again, that, that will affect the finished product, but it's not primarily about it. It's primarily about our attitude and the effort with which we uh, expend, doing it with all of our heart. You know, you can see the difference in this in your kids pretty easily. These are things we want to teach our children. You know the difference between your child just doing the minimal amount and doing something with a whole heart. You know, sometimes that comes back to do they really like it and do they want to do that? If you ask them to go ride their bike, you might see somebody very zealously doing that with all their heart. But if you ask them to take the bike from the driveway and put it in the garage, you may see somebody who all of a sudden lacks any amount of energy necessary, even though they've just been riding their bike furiously around outside. What, what has changed is their heart. Are they doing this with their whole heart? And so the result of that is we will work thirdly, diligently. This is not specifically spelled out here for us, but it is elsewhere in Scripture that we will work hard. We'll be characterized as those who are hard workers. Proverbs 6 compares uh, our work to that of the ant. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 describes some characteristics of a diligent worker, somebody who works hard. They, they do so even without supervision. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler prepares her food in the summer. They, they work hard even when nobody's around watching them. They work in a timely manner. They prepares her food in the summer, gathers her provision in the harvest. All of us, I'm sure, are prone to procrastinate, to work harder at the last minute. Uh, We need to be disciplined and diligent to do the work when we have the time to do it so that we can maintain our priorities. We can't just run from one last minute thing to the next and expect to maintain the priorities God has given us working in a timely manner. That requires planning sometimes. It requires discipline. Doesn't mean that rest isn't also a priority. In fact, rest helps us to be more productive than just running ourselves into the ground. And so rest is a good thing that is part of our priorities, but when it's time to work, we should do it diligently. So biblical excellence doesn't mean doing everything the best it can possibly be done. It does mean working hard to do the best you can for God's glory. But I I think in the context of priorities, we have to think about one other caveat, which is it's working hard to do the best you can for God's glory with the time and resources available given your biblical priorities and purposes. Because, again, if we just said it's working hard to do the best that you can for God's glory, and we took a task that all of us have to deal with, something like maintaining order and cleanliness in your house. And you think about that. You know, if you ask me, is our home ordered and clean, my answer would be yes. But if you ask me, could your home be more ordered and cleaner, my answer would also be yes. I mean, it's possible that my wife or I could have skipped foundations tonight to help our home be more ordered and more clean, right? (laughs) I mean, if we only spent all of our time cleaning and organizing our home, it would be at a higher level of cleanliness and organization than it is right now. But we don't do that. Why? Well, because we have a variety of priorities. 
And we have a limited amount of time to devote to any one of those priorities. And while there may be a minimum standard to accomplish that priority, we have to balance one priority with another. Again, I think this is extremely challenging for young families in particular. It's challenging for everyone. But we can get so focused on one thing and think, oh, if we could only do this better and devote all of our time to that while neglecting this or neglecting that. You see, we need to work hard. We need to do the best that we can, but we need to do that within the context of the time and resources available for us. This takes wisdom, to determine how well something needs to be done and can be done while maintaining all of your priorities. Think about maybe a situation that comes up at work. Maybe your boss comes up to you on Thursday and says, there's a particular project that I need you to get done and I want it on my desk first thing on Monday. Well, maybe you can do that project well in 10 hours, which means you work a long day on Friday or a little bit of time over the weekend, or you could do that project in a way that is knock your socks off excellent, but it would take you 45 hours to do it that way. Well, you have to decide how, at what level am I done with this? Am I going to ignore my family all weekend, skip church, and do this to the best possible ability, or how do I balance this with the other things that God has given me to do? Again, that takes wisdom, and it takes managing all of the priorities that God has given us. Well, which is excellence, the 10-hour project or the 40-hour one? Well, it, it may well depend, but I would suggest that it's doing it to the best of your ability while not neglecting all the priorities that God has given you, and that good is probably good enough in that situation. Now, if you do a five-hour project because you were busy on Instagram or other things, and you were lazy and didn't devote the time that you did have to that, that's not excellence, and we can easily excuse ourselves that we just didn't want to spend more time on it. So this is not an excuse to be lazy, but it does mean we have to have a, a biblical mindset about doing things well that drives us from the heart, not just what does this look like externally? What does the finished product look like? When it comes to things like a mom balancing the discipline of children during the day with other tasks that you'd like to do at a particular level requires wisdom to say, what is it that God has given me to do? How can I uh, fulfill these things well? So strive for excellence, working hard to do the best you can for God's glory with the time and resources available. Why should we do this? Well, clearly in Colossians 3, he says we should do this not for the earthly rewards, not so that your husband says, great job, you did awesome. Not so that your boss says, great job, you did awesome. But because we want to please the Lord. He says, you do this, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. You know, some are only concerned with doing well enough to not lose their job or to get a better job or, or to... Uh, uh, receive some commendation from people. Paul says we do it because we are serving Christ. Work as though he's your boss, as he's the one who is 
giving you praise. John Stott puts it this way. He says, it is possible for the housewife to cook a meal as if Jesus Christ were going to eat it or to spring clean the house as if Jesus Christ were to be the honored guest. It's possible for teachers to educate children, for doctors to treat patients and nurses to care for them, uh, for shop assistants to serve customers, accountants to audit books and secretaries to type letters as if in each case they were serving Christ. That's how we're to do our tasks. Do them as though you are doing them for the Lord because in fact you are. And so it's not about the finished product only. It's not, is this worth or worthy? It's, has my effort been one of joyously serving Christ? Again, that finished product may look different, given different priorities that we have given different realities about how much sleep you got the night before, given different realities that God has brought into your life, but are you doing what you have been given to do zealously for the Lord? What undermines the pursuit of biblical excellence, striving to do our best for God's glory with the time and resources God's given us? Proverbs warns us about laziness, about simply not working hard, Proverbs 6.10 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Or Proverbs 26.14, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is weary of bringing it to his mouth again. He can't even eat. He, He puts it down in there, and he's too tired to pull it out to feed himself. Laziness can hinder excellence. Again, we can use other things as an excuse to be lazy. Well, I couldn't do this because I needed to fulfill this other task when in fact the real reason is because I spent hours wasting time doing something else. It can be related to that, distractions or excuses. The sluggard says, Proverbs twenty six thirteen. there's a lion in the road. A lion is in the open square. What's he saying? He's just coming up with a reason not to go out and do what he needs to do an excuse, a distraction. As a result, the sluggard receives the consequence of their laziness. Proverbs six eleven says, your poverty will come like a vagabond. Now, these are general principles in Proverbs. There are some lazy people who have a lot, and there are hardworking people who have a little, but that's not typically the fruit that comes from our efforts. So we can be undermined by laziness, by distractions. We can also be undermined by a a misunderstanding of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. We can say, well, you know, God's sovereign. If if, uh, it doesn't really matter how hard I work, God will provide for me. Well, is God sovereign over your job and your employment? He is. But he's also called you to work diligently and to expend effort to that end. Well, as we pursue this, we need to guard against a number of things that can creep into our thinking. One of those that we need to guard is the sin of presumption. You know, when we think of, of pursuing excellence, of working hard, we can be guilty of assuming that our best efforts guarantee a certain future result. If I just work hard, I'll certainly get that promotion. Or if I work hard and focus on, on training my children the way I ought to, I will certainly get the result that I want in my kids. J. 
James 4 speaks to this in verse 13 and following when it says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. Arrogance, all such boasting is evil. He says, we, we don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. We plan and work towards it, but we hold that loosely because we understand that, that God ultimately is the one in control. You see, when we have the sin of presumption of assuming that our best efforts guarantee a certain result, it ignores our trust in the providence of God, that God is ultimately the one in charge. You know, you and I have a responsibility before God, but he directs our circumstances, and we are to trust him with the outcome of those things. If you spend your time cleaning up your house to have people over for Thanksgiving, and your hot water heater busts, and it makes a huge mess, and it ruined your plan, that is of the Lord for you. Your best efforts don't necessarily guarantee that things will go the way that, they, that you wish they were. This also ignores our need for the provision of God, that he's the one who provides what we need. So we got to guard against the sin of presumption. Secondly, we need to guard against the sin of pride, of assuming that our best efforts merit God's favor in some way. This ignores the fact that all we are and have is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? If you do well at something, at work or at home, if you are commended by others for that, do not forget that all you are and all you have is a gift from God. Don't be proud in your own efforts. Glorify God through your efforts. And, and it also ignores the fact that our standing before God is in Christ alone. Our, our best efforts to honor the Lord and to work hard and to do our tasks faithfully unto him does not uh, merit our standing before him, which is why in our striving for excellence, we must be so careful that we're also trusting in God. We strive to do our best, to glorify God with what he's given us, and we trust him. First, trusting Christ's redemption. Again, this can be an easy trap to slip into in our minds when we start thinking of our standing before God as conditioned upon how well we are doing the things that he has called us to do rather than on the work that his son has accomplished on our behalf. Because the gospel is the only and unchanging basis of our relationship with God. You believe that, I, I think. That's why you're here. That's what binds us together, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
Your salvation, your standing before God is not based on your diligence as a mom, as a worker, in any area of your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't work hard. It changes why you work hard. You rest in the fact that Christ himself has accomplished all that is necessary for your standing before God. Hebrews 4, 1 to 11, we won't take the time to to look at it tonight, but it it describes the the rest that we enjoy, that Christ um, has, has accomplished all that was necessary for us. And we enter his rest, resting from his works as God did from his. Doesn't mean we're lazy, It means that our confidence comes not from how we live, but from how Christ lived and died for us. So strive for excellence. Do your best. If you're loading the dishwasher, if you're doing something at work that nobody's probably going to notice, do your best. But do not think for a moment that your excellence merits you anything before God or that it has any bearing on the security of your relationship with him. If you have a bad day, if, if you get discouraged as a young mom trying to keep up with stuff and you feel like, man, I have cleaned up this stuff like four times already and I'm done. Guess what? God still loves you in Christ and your hope is secure in him. Now confess that you've grown weary and you haven't been as diligent maybe as you ought to have been. But work diligently out of gratitude for the undeserved favor he has shown you, not because that merits it. So trust Christ's redemption, and and secondly, trust God's providence. Proverbs 16.9 says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Again, the normal pattern of Scripture is that hard work is rewarded, but that's not an ironclad promise. If you work hard and for some reason things don't go well and you lose your job, you don't get mad at God. You, you trust him and you continue to move forward. If you work hard at home and you've planned this great meal and then your child throws up and you burn it on the stove, you don't get mad at God. You, you trust that, okay, Lord, this is what you had for us tonight. This is your plan, Proverbs sixteen nine. Our minds plan our ways, the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So you guys, as we pursue the priorities that God has given us, we need to do so with zeal. We need to work hard at them. We need to be intentional to do our work heartily, but we do it as for the Lord rather than for men. Not simply striving for a standard of product that is what we think is acceptable, but saying we want to do the best that we can with the resources and the time that God has given us. You know, if you do that, there are times when you will work a lot harder than you do. There's times when we're just lazy when we don't really give ourselves to the priorities that God has for us, when we sleep in longer than we should or we get distracted watching something or playing on our phone and I'm just as guilty as you guys are of, of not fulfilling all of the tasks that God has given me with excellence. There's times we'll work harder, but there's times we will also feel a sense of relief and freedom. 
when maybe you can't get something done that you wish you could because you chose instead to spend time personally with the Lord or to interact with your kids in the way that God calls you to or to spend time with your wife or to be in the fellowship of God's people at church. And instead of feeling guilty that you couldn't get it done, you need to say, you know what? There is a limited amount of time and resources that God's given me and I'm using them faithfully and that's, that's good enough in this area. You know, the challenge is we probably all need to hear both of those things. And the temptation is when we're lazy, we can justify it because we think, well, you know, I'm just balancing my priorities well. Or there's times where we uh, uh, may be uh, being too hard on ourselves because we're working hard. We just legitimately have a lot of things on our plate in that way. So the scripture tells us what should fill our time, the priorities of life that we should give ourselves to. It tells us how we should do those things, doing them heartily unto the Lord, not to receive a reward from men, but striving to please him in those ways. Again, in two weeks, we'll start unpacking some of the specific priorities that God gives us that are, are particularly challenging at this stage of life for us. Thinking about the priorities that relate to our relationship with God and, and to our family and to the church and, and uh, unpacking those things together. So let's pray together and then we'll head to our small groups and talk a little more about these things. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ. Thank you that our standing before you is rooted in his perfect life and his substitutionary death. And Lord, we do want to work hard. We want to fulfill the task that you have given us with excellence because you are worth it and because we're grateful for all that you have done. And Lord, there's times where that means we need to, to work harder, do more with zeal, to put aside laziness and distractions and, and to be busy about the things you've called us to. But there's also times where we need to recognize that, that we can't do everything as well as it could possibly be done because you've given us more to do than just that one thing. And, and Lord, give us wisdom to balance that. Help us to see our own hearts clearly. Help us to see the areas in which we are being selfish in the pursuit of of different tasks and fulfilling responsibilities you've given us. Lord, help us to do this for your glory so that the world around us and our children and others see those who are zealous about serving Christ and might that affect the way we do everything that we do, doing it heartily unto you. Lord, we thank you and we entrust our evening to you in Christ's name, amen.